It is Thursday, October 28th here in Draft Shark Studios in Rochester, New York. Welcome to the Week 8 Preview Podcast. I'm your host, Matt Schaff. With me, as always, is Jared Smolin. Jared, we're going to start off the week with Green Bay at Arizona on Thursday night. It's Cardinals by 6.5 for this game. That's up three points from where it opened. I'm going to guess it's because the Packers have lost a couple of their top receivers, including, of course, their main guy, Devontae Adams, who both of them are on the COVID list. We just found out officially that Devontae Adams is not going to be able to clear it in time for the game. I think we assumed that when we heard, what was it, Monday that he was landing on the list? Yeah, I've never seen a line move like that for a wide receiver. You know, Not that it doesn't make sense because Adams is such a big part of the passing game. But yeah, the Packers are down to a 21.75 point implied total. That's 19th on the week. It's lower than the Lions, lower than the Broncos, lower than the Seahawks. So, you know, Vegas is telling us to kind of temper expectations for this offense tonight. Yeah, and that's certainly what I've been telling myself as well. We're expecting Marquez Valdez-Scantling back after four weeks on IR for a hamstring injury, but he hasn't officially been activated yet, has he? No, not that I've seen. I think it's I think it's 4 p.m. today he needs to be activated. Yeah, so we'll certainly keep an eye on that and see if he's available. If he is, I think he's my, my top option among Packers wideouts. Randall Cobb is obviously in the mix, but the difference between them is clearly the speed. I mean, I think it takes more for it, it takes more going Randall Cobb's way for him to have a good game than it does for MVS. I think Randall Cobb probably needs at least nine targets to have a, a truly intriguing upside game, whereas MVS could get there on five targets. Yeah, I mean, Cobb definitely the safer, the safest of these Packers wide receivers, I think. You know, just the history with Aaron Rodgers, he's more of the short range target. I agree. I mean, he's going to need a bunch of targets to really pay off. Uh, you know, MVS was seeing nice usage before the injury, but, you know, this will be his first game off a, you know, month long absence with a hamstring. So definitely risky there. You know, to me, the only Packers I'd want to play, you know, Aaron Rodgers is now to me like a, you know, low end quarterback one. Aaron Jones, who should be the focal point of the offense tonight. I think he's going to play a bigger role in the passing game than we've seen. And then Robert Tunyon should play an increased role. So he, you know, he's coming off one of his better games of the season. Um, I expect a target boost for him. The matchup is tough though. The Cardinals are first in both adjusted points allowed to tight ends and football outsiders tight end coverage rankings. Yeah. I, I, I still think Robert Tunyon's more attractive than usual because he should be a better bet for targets. And that's really the usual downside to him is we just don't expect him to get the ball enough. So he should get the ball thrown his, his way more. I think Aaron Rodgers is, is more of a, like a high end QB two, whereas I'm not going out of my way to replace him. But if I have him and like, I don't know, Kirk cousins or Matt Ryan or, it's somebody else in that area on my roster. I'm pretty easily playing one of those other guys over Rogers. In addition to the matchup for tight ends, I mean, overall Arizona's second yeah. in pass defense DVOA. So, I mean, it's, it's not a, a, a cushy matchup to begin with. Yeah. Just a tough spot with the wide receiver issues going on the road on a short week against a good defense. So Arizona did just lose JJ Watt, which hurts a bit, uh, but it, it's still a tough spot for the Packers offense tonight. And losing J.J. Watt's probably more helpful even for the running game on the Green Bay side than it is the the passing game. I think A.J. Dillon has a little bit more touch upside than usual. He's mm -hmm. not somebody that I would go out of my way to play, but if you're hard up at running back, I think there's some upside to A.J. Dillon. His season low playing time last week is bothersome, but it was well below his previous three games. So I think uh, when you look at that, you look at it was a, a Washington matchup that didn't really favor using him a whole lot. And then the guys that are mm -hmm. out for this game, uh, there's a chance that Green Bay uses him more in this game. And they have, there are plenty of fantasy owners at this point who just need somebody with a chance. Yeah, we did move Dylan up the rankings a bit with the wide receiver injuries. You know, he's in running back three, low end running back three range. Um, I, yeah, I think his playing time is going to be up tonight. I think you could see you know plays with Dylan and Jones on the field with you know Jones splitting out as a wide receiver. On the Arizona side, I think the running backs might be most worth talking about here as well. Chase Edmonds looks like he's back from his shoulder injury, played his second most snaps of the season against Houston last week, despite that being a lopsided win. So clearly wasn't limited there, even though they had plenty of uh, reason, well, opportunity, I guess, to sit him if they wanted to. Also a season high 15 carries for Chase Edmonds in that game. He's now had 11 plus carries in four of his five healthy games. And I'm knocking out the two where he went in questionable with a shoulder injury from that group. 
Yeah, if you have Edmund, start him tonight. If you don't, I would try to trade for him before tonight's game. I think he's one of the better buy lows in fantasy right now. He has not scored a touchdown yet, despite having 95 touches. And you know, James Conner seeing most of the work near the goal line. Edmund still has nine red zone carries, six red zone targets. He has two carries inside the five-yard line. So he's getting some work near the end zone. He's going to score some touchdowns. Um, that That's kind of you know holding back his fantasy production so far. Yeah, I wouldn't go too out of my way to get him, though, because that, that touchdown – there's going to be a couple of touchdowns, but I don't think it's ever going to be a, a huge regression in that area. No, but I mean, he's also scoring as like a lower end RB two and PPR, even without the touchdowns. Mm-hmm. James Connor was down to a season low in total snaps and snap share last week with chase Edmonds healthier, but he did still carry 10 times, gained 64 yards, scored a touchdown, split those carries evenly over the first and second halves as well. So it wasn't like he came in to clean up late. Um, James Connor was involved the same amount, uh, throughout that game. So I think he has scored in four of the past five games. He's obviously pretty touchdown reliant, but there's a chance that if things go the way that Vegas has it projected, again, it's a six yeah. and a half point line in favor of Arizona. If things go like that, then there should be a decent number of James Conner carries against a soft defense. Yep. Matchup's good. Spot is good. Like you said, home favor with a nice implied total. I, I think you'll probably get, you know, 10 to 14 carries out of Conner. He, you know, he probably needs to score to help you in fantasy, but I think he's a pretty decent touchdown bet tonight. DeAndre Hopkins hamstring situation adds some question here. It sounds like they expect him to play, but he hasn't practiced at all this week. So it's clearly an issue to some degree. I'm probably still using Hopkins, you know, unless I'm loaded at wide out and it's actually a decision on him. I do think that he's a sell high right now, but the hamstring might make that more difficult this week. And obviously playing early in the week, you know, tightens the window within which you can trade him. But uh, more importantly, I think it makes me boost AJ Green and Christian Kirk a little bit because I think there's at least a chance mm-hmm. they get a little bit more thrown their way in this game if Hopkins leaves the game early or he's just less effective. You know, just a little bit more upside, I think, on those number two and three receivers for Arizona. Yeah, I'm starting Hopkins tonight unless we hear, you know, pregame that he's going to be limited on a snap count, some, something like that. Otherwise, I'm starting him. The Packers are still without their top corner, Jair Alexander, for this game. So, um, good spot for Hopkins. Um, with you on, I think Kirk and Green are both wide receiver threes. Christian Kirk's actually out targeted AJ Green 19 to 17 over the last four weeks. Um, Kirk is ahead of Green in our expected fantasy points. Um, you know, Gr- Green's been super efficient, really, with the volume he's been getting. Um, again, th- the matchup's good for both these guys, so I think they're both usable. Mm-hmm. And I was surprised to see that Christian Kirk's actually ahead of AJ Green in average depth of target. They're both over uh, 11 and a half yards in a dot, but Christian Kirk's actually ahead by like 1.2 yards. Hmm. Anything else from that game? Uh, Zach Ertz, his debut was good from a fantasy perspective. He, he only ran her out on 54% of the dropbacks. He, he basically played the role that Max Williams was playing. And we saw Williams have some fantasy relevant games. He also had some duds. Probably going to be the same case with Ertz, inconsistent from week to week with all these weapons here. Um, but Green Bay's 30th in adjusted fantasy points allowed to tight end, so it's a good matchup for Ertz. Yeah, I think Zach Ertz looks like Arizona's Tyler Conklin or Max Williams. So sometimes he's going to do something, a lot of times he's not. You know, use him if he makes sense for you. Yep. Miami at Buffalo. And we've got, uh, let me start with a, a trade question here that uses both a player from the game we already talked about and the one we're about to hit now. Uh, Lamb Cup on YouTube wants to know, should I trade Stefan Diggs and Chase Edmonds for Christian McCaffrey? I think I would hang on to the Diggs Edmonds side of that. What about you, Jared? I would lean that way too. It's a case where I'd probably have to see his entire lineup to see how, if he's super strong at wideout and can afford to lose Diggs, it might be worth considering, but I just hate trading for injured guys. That's my thing. If we knew that Christian McCaffrey were going to come back healthy at the end of this, then yeah, yeah. I, that's a fine trade to make. But I mean, there's a chance it just keeps being an issue and then you don't have Stefan Diggs, who I think still has some rebound potential on his numbers. Oh yeah. Yep. For sure. So that Miami at Buffalo game bills by 14 over under 49 and a half. The bills are tops this week in implied team total. They're one of three teams at 29 plus for the week. So we know we're going to play a lot of those guys. We'll start with the dolphins who have topped 400 total yards in two straight games. Now with Tua Tonga back from his rib injury. This by the way, is the team that gave him that rib injury back in week two. So maybe there's a little bit of revenge game potential for Tua in this one came back against the Jaguars and Falcons. So obviously those are two easier spots to rack up yardage. And they did. Now comes the league's top defense. So things have looked good lately, but I'm not going to bet heavily on anything Miami in this game. Yes. I, I'm encouraged by Tua's play over the past couple of weeks. He's gotten 
strong PFF grades as well. Um, so assuming you know he doesn't lose his job to Deshaun Watson, I think two is two is going to be helpful in fantasy. The rest of the way, the Dolphins are also going super pass heavy. They're up to fifth in situation neutral pass rate on the season, so that's helping too as well. Um, but not not using them here if I can help it on the road against Buffalo. Uh, the Bills are still first in Football Outsiders pass defense rankings. They're first in adjusted fantasy points allowed to quarterbacks. Yeah, Will Fuller not expected back yet for this game. Devontae Parker will see still limited in practice Wednesday. He's missed three straight games. Um, I would plan to not use Devontae Parker here. Jalen Waddle has been fine. He's getting targets. He's only seen 20.6% target share over the, the course of the year. So, I mean, you know, that's a solid share. It's not like he's dominating targets. He doesn't make him a lock for high target volume unless they throw the ball a whole lot in this game, which they did against the Bills back in week two. But you combine that with a mere 5.6 yard a dot. I think Waddle is a boom bust guy. He definitely, he could see, you know, 12 to 14 targets in this game yeah. and have a very nice PPR week for you, or he could see six and do almost nothing. I think Devonte Parker matters for Jalen Waddle and Mike Gesicki's outlook in this game. Cause you know, those two guys have just been dominating targets with Parker and fuller out the past few weeks. So I, I do think Waddle and Gesicki take a bit of a hit. If Parker is back, um, they're still, solid target bets, I think for their positions. Um, but again, I just, I don't think Miami's offense is going to do a whole lot in this game. So I don't think there's a ton of upside with those two guys. I, I like a sicky. I mean, he's gotten to the point where I'm not even sure he's worth, I don't know, talking about whether to start him. He's tight end three in PPR for the season. He's tight end two over the past five weeks. He doesn't need as much target upside as Jalen Waddle does at their relative positions. And I mean, good, uh, awesome if you have two tight ends good enough that you're making a decision, I think, at this point between Mike Gusecki and somebody else. Yeah, you're starting Gusecki. I, I just think he goes from, you know, tight end five to tight end seven or eight if Parker's back this week. Yeah, it's fair. In the backfield, Malcolm Brown is on IR now for a quad injury, so that has to help Miles Gaskin a bit, but the Eagles are the only team that is averaging fewer RB carries per game than Miami. Yeah, exactly. As I said, Miami's been top five in situation neutral pass rate this season. The running game's horrible, so you know, don't expect efficiency out of Gaskin. He should pick up some extra carries. You know, he's He's been like below 10 carries per game this season. Maybe he gets up to like 10 or 12 in this game, and he's playing a big role in the passing game. Gaskin's third among all running backs and targets right now. I mean, he had that super busy game against Tampa, but he's been getting four or five, six targets a game. So, you know, same deal here with like Waddle and Gasicki. Um, I don't think Gaskin has a high ceiling in this spot, but I, I do think volume is going to be enough to, you know, give him a decent fantasy day. Yeah. It's like a rich man's JD McKissick here on the build sure. side. We've got Cole Beasley coming off a rebound at Tennessee. <laughs> Most playing time since week one in that game caught seven balls for 88 yards and a touchdown on nine targets. That was his most targets since week three. It can only help him that Dawson Knox is out now with the broken hand. Definitely. I think that's huge for Beasley because he, he had had games where he'd only been playing, you know, half of the snaps, I think because of Dawson Knox's emergence, I think Beasley should be up near like hundred percent of the snaps. I think Buffalo's going to go three, four wide throughout this game. And Gabriel Davis probably even is going to be on the field more on Sunday. I don't think he, you can trust him in fantasy, but um, yeah, I, I think, Stephon Diggs, Emmanuel Sanders, and Cole Beasley are all strong plays. It's obviously a great spot for this Bills offense. You don't think we're getting a huge Tommy Sweeney game from this one? It wouldn't shock me if he scores a touchdown, but um, and maybe, maybe a DFS option. I, I would not mess with him in season long. He also sounds like somebody you wouldn't want to mess with on the streets of Boston, for what it's worth. Emmanuel Sanders led Buffalo wideouts and snaps still against Tennessee. Five catches, over 70 yards in three of his past four games. I think he's just solidly in low wide receiver yeah. three range at this point. Yeah, I just I think he's an every week wide receiver three, and you know there's added upside in this matchup. The Dolphins did get both of their starting corners cornerbacks back last week, but they still allowed 336 yards and two touchdowns to Matt Ryan. So I mean, this defense started the year looking like it might have a shot at being tougher. Not proven that way so far, regardless of who's healthy and on the field. At the in the Buffalo backfield, the playing time gap between Zach Moss and Devin Singletary closed the last time out versus where it was in week five, which was a large split in favor of Zach Moss last week, slight edge for Moss, not last week, two weeks ago, because they just had a buy slight edge for Moss at Tennessee in total snaps and an even split in pass snaps. Yeah. It still seems like a game plan dependent thing in the backfield. But if you look over the last month now, uh, Zach Moss is 23rd in expected fantasy points per game. Devin Singletary is at 46th. Um, even if they're splitting snaps, like, you know, Moss, Moss is doing more in the passing game. And, and he's obviously the better touchdown bat. So Moss is still the better play. The, the Bills running backs 
uh, combined for 108 rushing yards and three touchdowns in that week two game against Miami. So I, I like Moss as like an RB2 this week, and I think Singletary is even in the running back three flex mix. Yeah, and that was Moss scoring twice after being a healthy scratch, I believe, yep. in week one to open the season. Singletary caught five balls against Tennessee last time out, but that number matched his combined total from the previous four weeks. So don't overrate that. I agree that he's in the RB3 mix, but don't get excited about that particular number. Carolina at Atlanta, Falcons by three, over under 46 here. This matchup, Jared, should be a potential rebound spot for Sam Darnold, but so should have last week against the Giants. And he played so well in that game that he got yanked for Philip P.J. Walker. So I think the best news for Darnold right now is that Walker wasn't any better in that yeah. game. So it's Darnold back in, but there's certainly not a whole lot to believe in with him right now. No, there's not. And, you know, but by the numbers, this is a better matchup. The Giants are actually now 16th in football outsiders past D and 14th in adjusted points allowed to quarterbacks. The Falcons are 30th in football outsiders past D and dead last in adjusted points allowed to quarterbacks. So it's an even better matchup for Darnold. I won't be surprised if he bounces back this week, but I would definitely not bet on it. I would you know, look elsewhere for your starting quarterback this week. That's only because the Giants already got to play Sam Darnold right. and the Falcons haven't done so yet. <laughs> right. We'll see what those numbers look like this week uh, for Carolina. It's basically DJ Moore, Chuba Hubbard, and then ignore everything else at Robbie Anderson. Like I'm glad I have Robbie Anderson in a league where you have to start uh, four to five wide receivers, because at some point he's going to have this week. That's like 85 yards and a touchdown at least because he's getting the usage, but good luck, like guessing when it's going to happen. And maybe it won't at all. He's tied for sixth in the league in targets over the past four weeks, 57th at the position in PPR points over that same span. That's disgusting. It is disgusting. He's 14th in our expected fantasy points over the last four weeks. So he's getting borderline wide receiver one usage and doing absolutely nothing. Um, I think I'm ready to take a shot again in, in DFS this week. I haven't played him the last couple of weeks. So, you know, I'm kind of re-energized. I'm ready to get Robbie back in there. Atlanta's 25th in adjusted points allowed to wide receiver. So that, that's the spot to use Robbie is in DFS tournaments. Um, I would try not to use him in season long. I think expected fantasy points is too strong a term for him. We, we, we can call him shoulda fantasy points for Robbie Anderson. Makes sense. I like it. On the Falcons side, Matt Ryan is on a roll. We got Sam Darnold struggling, but Matt Ryan's doing quite the opposite. Yeah, so he has finished as a top four quarterback in PFF passing grades in three straight games now. So he's playing well. Um, you know, he obviously got Calvin Ridley back last week. Kyle Pitts has broken out. The other thing too is Atlanta went super pass heavy last week, and you know, coming off the bye week, they were seventy percent pass in neutral situations. That was up from fifty one percent over the first five games. So, and we'll, we'll see if that was a one week game plan thing or a trend. I, it would make sense for that to be a trend because the running game isn't doing anything. So, yeah, we'll see. But that obviously would help Matt Ryan get him some more volume. Yeah. Speaking of that running game, Arthur Smith said after last week that Mike Davis should get more work going forward. But I mean, <laughs> duh, he only got four touches in right. that game. His first five games went 18, 16, 16, 15, 15. Now, to me, that word from Arthur Smith is not, well, we got to get Mike Davis the ball. It was yeah coach, why didn't you give Mike Davis the ball? And he's like, he's going to get it more going forward. That's just how it went today. Cause we didn't run the ball as much, but Mike Davis is not very good. That's why he's not. That's why they have a game pop up where he doesn't get the ball that much. Yeah. I mean, two weeks in a row now, Cordell Patterson has out carried Mike Davis. It was obviously a massive gap last week. Uh, I mean, D Davis played 60% of the snaps last week and he ran around 60% of the dropbacks. So he was on the field. He just didn't get the ball. So I'm not sure I'd like drop him yet. He might still be useful as like a bye week option, but it's obviously Patterson's backfield at this point. Um, and, and Patterson, besides the ball carrying, still played a massive role in the passing game, ran around on 64% of the pass play. So, you know, Patterson's like a borderline RB1 now in PPR leagues, which is crazy to say. Yeah, if you ha if you have like a 20-man roster, I would keep Mike Davis stashed down there. But if you're in a mm -hmm. league that's smaller roster and you have to drop somebody to get like Kenneth Gainwell this week, I would be fine yep. dropping Mike Davis to pick up Kenneth Gainwell. And I'm not even excited about Kenneth Gainwell. We'll get to that uh, <laughs> later in this show. Um, back to the passing game for Atlanta. They, of course, got Calvin Ridley back last week. They also got Russell Gage back, but, you know, it doesn't deserve as much attention. Uh, Ridley caught a touchdown against Miami. Still a, a disappointing game overall. Just four catches, 26 yards, and that touchdown among 10 targets. He's sitting, though, fourth in the league in targets per game, third in our expected PPR points per game model. So, 
when you compare that with Ridley tying for just 27th among wideouts in PPR points per game right now, he seems like the clearest buy at any position to yep. me in fantasy. Totally agree. Ridley's been the f- fifth least efficient wideout in terms of actual fantasy points versus expected fantasy points, which doesn't make sense because he's a good player. Um, he's in, again, an offense that's playing better. So he- he's going to get going. Try to buy low if you can. Um, he's a good DFS tournament play. He's going to be loaned this week. Carolina, we- we've talked about, they've been struggling against number one wide receivers. Football Outsiders has them 29th in coverage against number one. So th- you know, this could definitely be the breakout spot for Ridley, even though we said that last week and it didn't, didn't quite work out for us. Yeah, and for me, though, this is a different situation than Robbie Anderson. Robbie Anderson's an erratic player. Yeah. His quarterback stinks. Calvin Ridley is a proven pretty good player. His quarterback's playing well. So it's just one of those things that I think it's going to click at some point, even if you know he stays less efficient over the course of the season. And it, it turns out that Calvin Ridley's not cut out to be the guy now that Julio Jones is gone. It's going to get better than it is right now. For sure. I mean, when we, we saw him produce without Julio in years past, and he has Kyle Pitts on the field, who's you know, right. basically Julio Jones at this point. Um, so there, there's no good reason that Ridley shouldn't be producing. Yeah, it's definitely worth mentioning. This is a developing offense overall. Just got a new coach, just traded away Julio Jones. So there are factors at play here that make it worth believing in Calvin Ridley. Russell Gage, as I mentioned, also returned, got six targets last week, caught four of them for 67 yards and a touchdown. Not going to score a whole lot, so don't count on that becoming the norm. He's also not going to climb above third in target distribution on this team. So, I mean, Russell Gage is fine as a wide receiver for consideration. I don't think he's going to be more than that. Nope, me either. He only ran her out on 60% of the dropbacks, which was fourth on the team behind Pitts, Ridley, and Coriola Patterson. So um, I think Gage is going to have more more duds than than helpful games. And Calvin Ridley, just uh, Russell Gage returning did not hurt Kyle Pitts at all last week. No, nothing's going to hurt Kyle Pitts. That's right. Pittsburgh at Cleveland, the Browns by three and a half. The over-under is at 42 and a half. It's down one point from where it opened. I don't think this is going to be a game to look to for sneaky fantasy value for Pittsburgh. (laughs) Deontay Johnson sitting on the wide receiver one, two border. Chase Claypool is down fairly low in wide receiver two territory or maybe high wide receiver three. Less safe as a target bet than Deontay Johnson. There's Mm -hmm. some upside to him. I think the most interesting player on the Pittsburgh side is Pat Fryermuth, And I'm curious to see what happens to, with him this week coming out of the bye that followed his best game of the season. Yeah. Seven targets in that week, six game without Juju Smith. Schuster. Now he, he only Frymuth only ran around on 51% of the pass plays in that game, which is, you know, way lower than where we want it to be. So to me, he's a, he's a wait and see guy. Like I think he should be stashed in deeper leagues, definitely in FFPC leagues. Um, but I, I would want to see, some volume again this week before trusting him in fantasy lineups. Yes. I'm not to the point of trusting him, but there is enough upside that I think there are spots where you can take a shot on him, especially if you're a Mark Andrews owner who's missing him Mm -hmm. this week, or you're a Darren Waller owner who recently lost that situation or missing that for the buy. There's upside to Friar Muth. He certainly could come out and give you, you know, three targets and no production, but he, that this comes right after Juju Smith Schuster went down for the season. We saw Ray Ray McLeod, play 69% of the snaps in that game against Seattle their last time out. So he soaked up about two thirds of Juju's playing time, not likely to approach Juju's target shares though. I think going forward, I think that's going to help what's available for the tight ends. And James Washington barely played in that game. I mean, he was coming back from injury, so maybe that changes, but there's also room for Pat Fryermuth to become a significant part of the Juju replacement plan. Yeah, coming off a bye too, which I think it's always you know good news for a rookie to have a kind of week to get even more settled into the offense. Mm-hmm. On the Brown side, they hope to have Baker Mayfield and Nick Chubb back for this game. To me, Chubb's really the only comfy starter on the Cleveland offense this week. Uh, yeah, I'm with you there. You got Jarvis Landry dealing with a knee injury. He he said today that he plans to play, but you know won't be at 100%. Odell Beckham has been disappointing. He's playing through a shoulder injury. Uh, you know The quarterback situation is in limbo. Um, the Browns are expected to get Jack Conklin back. They're tackled. This will be the first time since week one that they have all five starting O-linemen healthy. Um, so that, that's more good news for Nick Chubb. Chubb was limited in Wednesday's practice. He says he's going to play. Um, it would be nice to see him get in a full workout. Um, you're starting him regardless if he's active. You know, I, I think if the calf is clearly not a concern anymore. You could see him play an even bigger role um, with Kareem Hunt out this weekend. You know, we'll see how big a role Dearness Johnson earned with his impressive week seven. 
Yeah, I'm going to go ahead and play wait and see on Dearness Johnson, but I'll be curious yeah. to see if he earned like the Kareem Hunt role to Nick Chubb with Nick Chubb back. Um, yeah. Jarvis Landry, Odell Beckham, you know, both are still dealing with injuries. They both left the field for stretches in that game against Denver. So we'll see where things go from here, but there hasn't been enough upside to them to just go ahead and bet if we have questions about them. Exactly. Cincinnati at the Jets, Bengals by 10 and a half, up two points from where it opened. The over-under is 42, down two. So that shows you we're not expecting a whole lot of points from the Mike White-led Jets. On the Bengals side, Jamar Chase, Joe Burrow, Joe Mixon, easy plays at this point. And with Joe Burrow, let me bring this up, Jared, because I tried to trade Damian Harris in a PPR home league for Joe Burrow this week so that I would have Burrow as a fill-in quarterback for Lamar Jackson's bye. And the league voted to veto it. Apparently, I'm not giving enough for the 11th quarterback in fantasy scoring right now by giving somebody else a running back that they're probably going to use just about every week the rest of the season. I mean, one, you can't complain about stuff that happens in home leagues because they're home leagues, you know. Yeah. Um, but, but but second, that there shouldn't be vetoes in fantasy football. Like we're all we're all adults. We're all, we all can make our own decisions. If someone wants to, you know, trade you Burrow for Harris, they should be allowed to. So I, I have I have multiple issues with that. Yeah, and I absolutely should complain about a home league. That's why we have this platform, Jared, so we can complain about whatever we want or trumpet whatever we want to. So, yeah, it, it was ridiculous. I think the only time you veto something is if it's clearly collusion or if there's, like, somebody brand new in the league that does not know what they're doing they get totally fleeced by somebody else. Then maybe, but, yeah, I, I'm annoyed, but I'll get by, and I'll talk later about who I'm going to have to start at quarterback instead <laughs> since that's not happening. Back to the Bengals, though. T. Higgins is actually leading Jamar Chase by 1.3 targets per game for the season. So I'm not saying that that makes him a better player than Jamar Chase or even close to Jamar Chase at this point, because clearly Jamar Chase is not human. But I do think it makes T. Higgins at least a comfy wide receiver three and probably more like a wide receiver two with the way things are going for Cincinnati right now. Yeah, and in, in this matchup against the Jets, too, Higgins was second among wide receivers in expected fantasy points last week. I think he had 14 targets, I think. He, honestly, though, he's just, from my eye test and from, like, PFF numbers, he's just not playing very well. Um, I don't know if it's, you know, the shoulder still bothering him or what. I, I think he's going to turn it around because I think he's a good player. Obviously, he had a good rookie season. Jamar Chase is just better, though. That's, that's kind of part of the issue. But if Higgins is going to keep getting this type of volume, I think the fantasy points are going to come. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I agree with that. Tyler Boyd, uh, meanwhile, though, I, I I hope that I don't have to use him. I actually just yeah. dropped him this week for another wide receiver on the wire in one league that had Chase Claypool freely available. Um, one game with more than four catches among his past five for Tyler Boyd. I think there's you know maybe a little bit of long-term hope in that the Bengals are leaning past more over the past four games than they were over the first three, but he's still got no hope to climb higher than third in target distribution. He's just not going to get the volume that's going to make him a consistently usable player, I don't think. Right, yeah. He he has no weekly finish better than wide receiver 34 in his five games with T. Higgins. He's been outside the top 60 wide receivers in three of those five games. Um, he's 75th in expected fantasy points per game over the past four weeks, so there, there's nothing pointing towards you know Boyd being a good play this week and you know, maybe not the rest of the season even. CJ Uzama does his thing well. Whenever you see highlights from him, it's not like fluky plays. He looks good as a player. He's scored in two straight games now. He also has just one game all year with more than three targets. So, I mean, you know, maybe you can catch that lightning again, but more likely you're not. And I think the game, he had six targets in the one game. I think that was one of the ones that T. Higgins missed. Um, Uzama's gone two, three, and three targets over the last three games. His route rates are actually solid. So like that kind of gives you hope. Like he's on the field for, you know, this, this passing game that's looking really strong matchup's good here. I mean, you know, he's a decent touchdown bet, but um, you know, he's, he, he's, he's in the with like Pat Fryermuth where he could kill you because the volume isn't there, but you know, there is some upside. Yeah. If you're in a deep league, if it's like 14 plus teams, I can certainly see Uzama being a guy that you just, you know, play and you can eat the down weeks and take the upside because it's a good spot to be in, but not a whole lot to like Jets side. Speaking of not a whole lot to like Mike White is starting this game. He threw approximately 43 passes at running backs last week when he came on in relief for Zach Wilson. So I guess it's a good time to be Michael Carter. Yeah, I tailed it up. It was 44% of White's passes went to running backs last week. So, yeah, I mean, it's good news for Michael Carter, who set a season high with a 72% snap rate last week, season high 65% of the routes, you know, had the 11 carries and nine targets. Um, Tevin Coleman did miss that game. 
I don't know how much that matters. I don't even know if Coleman's going to be back this week. He was still out of Wednesday's practice. So we'll see. But, you know, Car- Carter's been trending up. Um, he's a good enough touch bat, even in this crappy offense where, you know, he, he can help you as like a running back three. Yeah. And I think that's probably the extent of he can help you yeah. among the Jets this week. I, you know, guys like Corey Davis are in play, yeah. but I would sure hope that I have better options. Agreed. Tennessee at Indianapolis that opened with the Titans one point favorite on the road. Now it's at Colts by one and a half. The over under is up three and a half points to 51 total on the Tennessee side. Do not use Julio who made it through just 43% of the snaps last week. Do use AJ Brown who has now delivered one and a half strong games in a row. Of course, the big second half against Buffalo (laughs) big game last week. And if you are missing Lamar Jackson or Derek Carr this week at quarterback, then you could start Derek Henry. (laughs) <laughs> yeah yeah it was funny i know we, we we talked last week about how the titans were due for some more passing touchdowns and then derrick henry throws the first passing touchdown of the game last week i was laughing about that um i mean yeah it, it's same deal with Tannehill, and like this game could be a shootout they could be behind uh, if you look at the titans last three games against the colts though um 27 pass attempts for Tannehill in their week three meeting this season and then he had 22 pass attempts and 27 pass attempts in their two meetings last year so you know that that's the risk is that, you know, it's just once again a Derrick Henry game. Yeah, he's fine. The Colts are a neutral to positive matchup for quarterbacks. But like you said, with those recent Colts games, Ryan Tannehill has been under 30 pass attempts in three straight games this season and four of his past five. And the past three games included consecutive matchups with Buffalo and Kansas City. I mean, we headed into those games thinking that they were the kinds of matchups that could drive passing volume. Obviously, the Chiefs game went very different differently than anybody expected it to. But, you know, in terms of expecting pass volume, I don't think we can really expect a whole lot of opportunities here. It doesn't necessarily kill Tannehill, but, you know, it kind of lowers that ceiling a little bit. It means that he has to be efficient on what he does to truly pay off. Yeah, and he should be efficient in this matchup. And, you know, he, he kind of add some with his legs. He showed last week, you know, with the rushing touchdown. So he, he's okay as a, you know, spot starter, I think, again, if you have Lamar Jackson on by or you're dealing with other quarterback issues. On the Colts side, Michael Pittman has joined Jonathan Taylor, I think, in easy starter territory. And really, that's about it That as far as what I'm going for among Colts. Yeah, I like Pittman. His volume's down the past two weeks, but that was a blowout against the Texans and then that rainy, windy game in San Francisco. So in a shootout here indoors against a bad Titans pass defense, uh, Tennessee's 31st in adjusted points allowed to wide receivers. I really like Pittman this week. Um, I think, to me, Carson Wentz, I slot like just behind Ryan Tannehill as a spot start option this week. Um, he, he's playing pretty well. He's His last four weekly finishes have been quarterback 19, quarterback seven, quarterback 16, quarterback 10. So he hasn't been killing you, hasn't had a huge ceiling. But again, this Titans pass defense is not good. This game could be a shootout. So I, I do think Wentz has some appeal this week. Yeah, and I mean, if you're deciding between Tannehill and Carson Wentz, I think there's probably a higher ceiling on Carson Wentz because they need him more, I think, to win this game than Tennessee does Tannehill. Um, A solid option if you don't have Lamar Jackson, Derek Carr, or Derek Henry to play quarterback for you. He's QB 16 in our weekly rankings. He's QB 16 for the season. He's QB 20 in points per game. So, you know, that lets you know where he's coming from. Um, I agree. He's looked pretty good lately. And even last week, he ended up being a useful fantasy quarterback despite playing in very bad weather against San Francisco. Yep. Philadelphia at Detroit Eagles by three and a half. The over under is 47 and a half. You start Jalen Hurts as usual and then do not watch him play because it's not (laughs) going to be pretty, but he's probably going to make it there. His performance, though, is seriously going to limit both the upside and floor for Devontae Smith and Dallas Goddard going forward. I mean, they both look fine. Um, but there's at least as much risk as reward to both players. Yeah, I would start to consider selling Jalen Hurts or at least shopping him, see what you can get for him. Because, you know, there's been talk that we're going to, we might see Gardner Minshew at some point later on this season, you know, with the Eagles. Um, if they're out of it at that point and, and Hurts isn't playing better, they might want to just see Minshew. So if you get into your fancy class, you know, you might be without Jalen Hurts, which would hurt. But you're, yeah, you're starting him this week. He's been great for fantasy and the matchup's good here. Um, Devontae Smith, we kind of know what he is. He's he's boom bust. The usage is there, but Hurts is going to make him inconsistent. Dallas Goddard, I feel good about. You know, just the the usage he's getting now at the tight end position. Um, you know, he 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 got the bump without Zach Ertz last week. Played ninety three percent of the snaps. Ran her out on eighty eight percent of the pass plays. Um, he finished seventh among tight ends and expected fantasy points last week. That that that's you know about where he should be. You know, tight end five, six, seven, somewhere in there. So I think he's a pretty safe weekly start at this point. 
And even if Hertz doesn't get yanked from the lineup, I, you're just not going to always get there every week while playing <laughs> yeah. poorly. I mean, there's going to be some week where he has a bad passing game, runs for 75 or 80 yards, but doesn't find the end zone on the ground. And you're going to be like, wait a second, why did I only get 12 or 14 points from Jalen Hurts? So it's, you know, at this point, he just always gets there, however it happens. But it's it's flimsy. It's flimsy. Yeah. He, he's the he's the um, DeAndre Swift of quarterbacks where, you know, it's getting a lot of it in garbage time. I actually have this note from uh, Rich Rebar of Sharp Football. Jalen Hurst is leading all quarterbacks in second half fantasy points, but he's quarterback 17 in first half fantasy points. I mean, he, he has been doing it in garbage time. Uh, Miles Sanders expected to be out for this game, but do not overrate how strong an option Kenneth Gainwell is in his absence because it's not like now that Miles Sanders is gone, Kenneth Gainwell gets everything. Yeah, his, his role might not change a whole lot it might he might pick up some extra carries but boston's got out carried kenneth gainwell seven to five after miles sanders left last week's game they also have jordan howard on the practice squad and it sounds like he's going to be promoted and be active for this game so you know he yeah he might steal a handful of carries he might be their goal line guy which, <laughs> which would hurt obviously i i but i do think gainwell is going to play a big role in the passing game he had seven targets last week he'd been playing a pretty big role even with Sanders healthy and the Lions are 32nd in football outsiders running back coverage rankings so I think Gainwell could have a big day in the passing game here but yeah I'm with you I would not expect more than 10 carries and I would not use Kenneth Gainwell and DFS just to avoid the scenario where I'm sitting there watching the game and watching the Jalen Hurts Jordan Howard (laughs) RPO at the goal line that doesn't have Gainwell anywhere nearby yep (laughs) so gross on the Lions side, TJ Hawkinson, there might be a positive on him. We talk every week about playing him despite the slowdown that has come alongside playing through a knee injury. This week marked the first time since week four that he took part at all in practice on Wednesday. It was still limited, so I'm not doing any cartwheels here, but I'll take it as at least a potential positive move for Hawkinson's health. Yeah, it can't, can't be bad news. Um, I I just think he's like a floor play at this point, you know, just because the offense he's in, but the usage is still there. Uh, matchup is fine this week. The Lions, by the way, they have a 22 point implied total. That's relatively high for them. They're averaging like 18 points a game this season. So, you know, Vegas likes them to have a, a better game than usual. I thought that TJ Hawkinson would be a bit more Mark Andrews in performance than Jason Witten, but I guess we'll take Jason Witten at this point. Yeah, we'll take it. Elsewhere among Lions, Amon Ross St. Brown and Khalif Raymond, are, are they, they seem like break glass in case of emergency PPR options. But Raymond, it seems like he came out of nowhere last week. But if you look back, he saw 15 targets over the past two games, 12 catches over that span. He's had four games of six-plus targets among his past five. And last week was his third six-catch game in that span. And a fourth game among those five found him scoring twice. So, He's been decent over the past mm-hmm. five weeks, and his 11.2 yard A dot for the season is easily ahead of St. Brown's 7.9. It gives him some further upside there. Yeah, Raymond is definitely not a comfortable play um, because you know he's Khalif Raymond and he's in this Lions offense. But he, he's 28th among wide receivers in expected fantasy points over the past four weeks. You know, he he he's had four of his last five games have been decent from a fantasy perspective. Um, so yeah, he's an option. If you need him, I mean, I'm on Ross St. Brown saw zero targets last week. His playing time was still fine. He was still out there, but I mean, I don't, I don't know how you can trust the guy after a zero target game. <laughs> I agree. Anything else in that game? DeAndre Swift is awesome. That's it. Yeah. I think he'll be all right in this one. Although when garbage time meets garbage time, what is the yeah, result? Right? Are we going to get nothing from Jalen Hurts or DeAndre <laughs> Swift in this game? I hope we get a lot from both of them, but could could go either way. <laughs> I guess we'll see what happens when there is no, or when it's all garbage time. Maybe that's the thing. When two garbage offenses meet, it's all garbage, baby. That's it. San Francisco at Chicago. Speaking of garbage offenses, 49ers by three and a half. The over under is 39 and a half. The over under might as well be don't watch this game because it's going to (laughs) be ugly. Debo Samuel is a must start. And Elijah Mitchell actually looks pretty solid. The bears are 17th in run defense DVOA. You know, Mitchell's limited receiving usage lowers his floor, but game flow mm-hmm. certainly should not get out of hand for him this game. Yeah, I mean, you know, Mitchell, 27 of the 49ers, 31 running back carries over the last two weeks. You know, like you said, he is losing passing down stuff to Jermichael Hasty. Um, you know, that's enough to make him an RB2, I think, Mitchell. Um, against a Bears defense, it's going to be without Cleo Mack, which obviously hurts. Um, Debo Samuel did not practice on Wednesday with a calf injury. Kyle Shanahan expects him to play. 
Um, you know, it's, it's Debo Samuel. He has quite the injury history. So we'll, we'll see what he does in practice on Thursday and Friday. Yeah. I'll say that Kyle Shanahan expecting him to play seems good. Cause it seems like he's doesn't get overly optimistic with those prognostications, but we'll obviously have to watch him. I also saw where Kyle Shanahan said he wants Brian, Brandon Ayuk to keep getting better. And he hasn't gotten to the point yet that he was at last year. So that means don't pick up Brandon Ayuk in, you know, anything but deep leagues and don't hold out hope for him catching on this season. But I guess we'll see on the other side of this one. Speaking of catching on the Bears, there's nothing to like. There's so little to like that Khalil Herbert looks like a savior, uh, especially in that game against Tampa Bay last week where nobody can run against the box. Khalil Herbert had a really nice game. Yeah, I think it's Khalil Herbert and Dalvin Cook are the only running backs to top 100 yard, yards against Tampa over the last two seasons. He He's just playing really well. He's averaging over the last three weeks. Herbert's averaging five yards per carry. He's fourth in PFF rushing grade among 42 qualifying running backs. He's 12th among those 42 in elusive rating. So he, he's just he's playing well. Um, I, I think Damon Williams might get a bit more work this week. You know, he, he just came off the COVID list the day before our last week's game. I think he's going to get a bit, and I know you don't want to hear it, but I think he's going to get a bit more, but you know, not, not enough to make Damian Williams a fantasy option and not enough to, you know, be worried about it. If you're a Khalil Herbert owner, I don't think they kept the ball away from Damian Williams because they were worried about him getting his taste, his taste back. I think it's because Khalil Herbert's better. I think he's a little oh, bit is. low in our rankings at 24th and PPR 21st and non PPR. Yeah, I think I, you know, I think he came in there just because I have him doing less stuff in the passing game. I think Williams might take some of that back this week. But I, I think Herbert's a strong play. Maybe, maybe he should be a few spots higher. All right, there we go. And, the, you know, before we get out of this game, which I think would be better for everybody, things are going so poor, poorly for the Bears that Cole Komet looks like an upside play. The past two weeks, four catches for 49, five for 43. <laughs> You know, those are usable type of numbers. I think it all, I think it says something both about the Bears and about tight end on whole that anybody looks at yeah. that and starts to get excited. I mean, upside play in relation to what the, these wide receivers, like not, not in relation to the rest of the tight ends, right? I mean, I think he's a, he's a floor play, not a very exciting one. That's what I think that makes it exciting at tight end because we're like, does anybody here have a floor? Is there anybody that I can trust to get more than three targets this week? I, maybe that's Cole Komet, but we'll see. We'll see. He's in the ultimate spot for crashing through that floor. LA Rams at Houston, the Rams by 14 and a half. The over under is 48 up to with no line move uh, for the Rams here. The Rams are tied for the second highest implied team total of the week, a half point behind the bills lead. You know, as usual, you play everyone and friend of the show, Pat Fitzmorris of fantasy pros pointed out that Tyler Higby has only scored one touchdown among 11 red zone targets this season. Houston comes in as a friendly matchup for tight end touchdowns. So maybe we get some Tyler Higby points in this one, even if he still can't get past five targets. Yeah, I think I've said it's Tyler Higby week for the past few weeks now, but I'm going to say it again this week. Um, yeah, he Higby is second among tight ends in both red zone targets and end zone targets. Um, so he's been unlucky to not score more touchdowns so far. Um, the Texans are 31st in adjusted points allowed to tight ends. They're 29th in football outsiders tight end coverage ranking. So I, I, th- I think Higby's gonna gonna get in the end zone this week. I mean, you know, it's tough to bet on touchdowns, but it seems like a solid bet in this case. Uh, anything else from the Rams side? Uh, no. Uh, stick with Robert Woods. You know, he's gonna be okay. It's obviously Cups offense, but Woods will be okay. Then Daryl Henderson. I still don't know how he busted last week, but he's obviously a great play this week against against Houston. Mm-hmm. On the Houston side, I just hope that Brandon Cooks' frustration with the organization doesn't spill over onto the field because it's going to quickly become we can't use anybody in Houston. And, and, and the Mark Ingram trade is worth noting, but if we weren't even strongly considering using Mark Ingram unless we had to, I mean, it's tough to get it all excited about that <clears throat> gross pie just being split by different guys. Yeah, I mean, definitely not excited. I, I do think Ingram and Lindsey should probably be owned in in deep release for sure, maybe like even average size. Fan. Just just while we see how this is going to shake out, um, you know, Ingram does leave behind 13 carries per game, uh, 1.3 targets per game. Like if David Johnson picks up seven or eight of those carries and keeps, you know, getting four or five, six targets, like he he's – He's not exciting. I get it. You're, you're not going to be excited to play him, but um, he he could be useful. I'm hoping that's the case because like if Philip Lindsay gets the carries and Johnson keeps doing the passing game work, then we're you know kind of still stuck with two pretty useless guys. I would bet on that happening because David Johnson is a pretty useless guy. No matter how many times he's getting the ball, he's he's a poor man's JD McKissick. 
it's uh, to me this is a, a lower upside version of Kenny Gainwell. So I, yeah. I just I would I would rather wait and see what happens than bet on anybody. You know, I think like a cheap waiver claim on Philip Lindsay is fine this week. David Johnson, I guess, too, for wherever he's available. But I wouldn't yeah. expect any savior to come out of this situation. I'm gonna do there. Um, we should mention Terod Taylor has a chance to return this week, which I mean. You know, he's, he's not excellent, but I think he's a clear upgrade over Davis Mills. So it'd be good news for Brandon Cooks, at least. So, yeah, we'll see where that goes. I, you know, we'll see if it's good news for Brandon Cooks. We don't have a whole lot of evidence to go on there. And it, he hasn't been awesome as a passer in the past. But, you know, it's not bad news. Have we even seen, has David Culley said that when Tyrod Taylor is yeah. healthy, he's going to start? Yes. Yeah, he's okay. been saying that all, all along. So, yeah, we'll see. I mean, Ty- Tyrod was playing well the first week and a quarter or whatever it was. So. Mm-hmm. Did get Jacksonville to open the season, so that helped. By the way, Deshaun Watson did not practice Wednesday for either the Texans or the Dolphins. Jacksonville at Seattle, the Seahawks by three, over under 43. Marvin Jones, we like to talk about how he's all over the place. He's boom bust. He's been remarkably consistent this year, I think, especially when you consider his situation. Six plus targets in five of six games down in low in the low volume Cincinnati game. Uh, but five plus catches in four of his six outings, touchdowns in three of those four where he caught at least five balls. I think Marvin Johnson's a uh, Marvin Johnson. I, I have so much respect for him. I'm going to change his name while I'm talking about him. I think he's a pretty comfy high end wide receiver three and really might even be more of a wide receiver two. He, he's 28th among wideouts and expected fantasy points per game on the season. So I, I think, I think wide receiver three sounds right to me. I, I do. I kind of like the Jags passing game in this spot, you know, coming off the bat, I think Lawrence is, Trevor Lawrence has played better the past couple of weeks after, you know, a few tough games to start his career. Now he comes off the bye. Now he gets um, a pretty bad Seattle pass defense. The Seahawks are 25th in football outsiders pass defense rankings. Um, so to me, like Lawrence is right there with Tannehill and Wentz as spot start options this week. He's also been running more as we talked about, which helps. Um, then, yeah, I think Marvin Jones is, is a, a solid wide receiver at three play. And then LaVisca Chenault, to me, it's still in the mix, too. I'd, I'd slot him right behind Marvin Jones. But Chanel was up to an 83% route rate in that last game against Miami before the bye. So if he stays in that range, then he's you know someone we can we can trust as a weekly fantasy play. Yeah, I wouldn't over-trust him at this point, but certainly the upside's there. He's got um, two six-catch games among his past three. He's also averaging just 6.8 targets per game for the year. So there's a chance that he turns into somebody that we can rely on a little bit more. For now, I think overall he's a wide receiver four. That's fair. And I think if Dan Arnold keeps working real hard, yeah. he could be Cole Komet. <laughs> I, w- I was going to bring, I mean, I, I, I like Arnold as D- as DFS play at least this week. Um, I guess he's right there with Komet as a lower end spot starter, but he, you know, in his last two games, eight and five targets. And, you know, those were his second and third games with Jacksonville. So he stepped into a pretty big role right out of the gate. And now he, he's had the bye week to hopefully get more comfortable in the offense. Um, Seattle 27th in adjusted points allowed to tight end. So I, I'm kind of into Arnold this week. <laughs> kind of into Arnold this week. That could be the, the subhead for our podcast here. <laughs> on the Seattle side, give me nothing beyond DK Metcalf. And on, on the Metcalf front, I'll take the football stuff and pass on the social life reports. Um, otherwise, Alex Collins, I think, is okay if you're needy yeah. at running back. I, I wonder whether Rashad Penny is going to get the ball more in his second game back, or if they saw him gain nine yards on his six carries and they're like, oh yeah, that's why we didn't care about Rashad Penny being out. Well, Alex Collins wasn't much better in that matchup against New Orleans. It was a tough matchup. Um, I mean, Collins ended up with 16 carries and one target versus only six carries and zero targets for Penny, but the the snap rates were 39% for Collins to 36% to Penny. You had Travis Homer playing 21% of the snaps. It was like a three-man committee last week you know Collins is still the best play it's a good matchup against Jacksonville so that helps uh, but you know, he's definitely not a, a safe fantasy play because you know who knows exactly how the touches are going to be divvied up this week yes I agree thank you New England at the LA Chargers this was a shocking shutout last year I'm going to be shocked even more <laughs> if it happens again this year the Chargers are five and a half point favorites at home over under 48 and a half on the Pat side Damian Harris looks good coming off two straight hundred yard games, four touchdowns over the past three weeks. It's a run funnel matchup as we talk about every week with the chargers, but don't try to trade Damian Harris to get Joe Burrow. It's not going to work. Don't you, don't you dare do that. Um, yeah. I like Harris a lot. I like Hunter Henry this week. You know, he, he's, he scored in four straight games. So the fantasy production is a bit inflated, but 
the route rates are on the rise. He's set uh, season highs the past two weeks with 77 and 76% of the routes. Johnu Smith is banged up with his shoulder injury. He was limited on Wednesday, so I kind of bet he ends up playing. But I mean, he, he hasn't you know done much anyways, even without a shoulder injury. Um, and L.A., really good against wide receivers, but 30th in football outsiders tight end coverage rankings. So it could definitely be a spot where Henry is you know a key part of the game plan. Yeah, as long as you're not over committing to any member of this pass offense, there's certainly upside to it. And Ramondre Stevenson, by the way, getting back to the backfield, obviously no lock to be included in the game was a healthy scratch for last week. I don't know, maybe he has a better shot of being active in this matchup that, that favors running the ball. Who knows? Yeah, I mean, it, I don't think it matters for fantasy perspective. It seems like they're just rotating Stevenson and Taylor. I don't know, Stevenson's playing a bigger role in the passing game than Taylor is. So maybe if you're a Brandon Bolden, you know, owner and hoping to use him this week. Maybe you want JJ Taylor in there, but uh, hopefully you're not uh, counting on Brandon Bolden too heavily. Which is kind of funny given how small JJ Taylor is, but yeah. I don't know. It, it, it's always funny when you're talking about the Patriots backfield until you're relying on it. Then it gets a lot <laughs> less funny on the Chargers side. You play the obvious Mike Williams comes out of the bye. looks like he's over his knee issue is not on the injury report so far, right? Yeah. Full go in practice on Wednesday. So he's good to go. Keenan Allen. I'm going to keep betting on the volume is there. I guess, I guess Jared Cook, the only fringy guy on the Chargers. The Patriots have been really tough against tight ends this season. They're second in adjusted fantasy points allowed to tight ends. So if you're, you know, waffling between Cook and someone else, I'd probably lean against Jared Cook this week. Yes, I agree with that. Four games of less than 30 yards among his past five. And as you mentioned, they've been tough in tight end coverage. So I don't think it's a, a great week to bet on him. But, you know, if you're in the range where you're like, ooh, Cole Komet is attractive, then, you know, Jared Cook could be fine there. Yes, agreed. Tampa Bay at New Orleans, the Bucks by five and a half. That's up one and a half from where it opened over under of 50 and a half for the Bucks. The only real question here is the injuries. Rob Gronkowski returned to practice on Wednesday. So he's, he should be trending toward playing given that he's been out for what, four games now without being on IR. So the fact that he's back on the field at all, I think makes a pretty good chance that he plays on Sunday, but we'll obviously be watching to see. OJ Howard certainly droppable at this point if you didn't do so already. Antonio Brown did not get on the practice field for Wednesday. Have we heard anything about his Thursday participation or not yet? I yeah, he's he's not playing this week. Uh, Bruce Arians said he wasn't even sure if he'll be ready after the week nine bye. Antonio Brown was um he, he had he had crutches um on the practice fields on Wednesday, not practicing, of course, just standing watching, but w- with a crush. So it seems seems like a you know potentially multi-week absence um so that's good news for chris Godwin and mike evans who you know should continue dominating targets evans has the the marshawn Lattimore matchup where he struggled really throughout their careers um but i'm still starting him just because you know he's a good bet for double digit targets with antonio brown out yeah and i would not be reaching for tyler johnson even with antonio brown out. i just think there's there are too many wide receiver options yeah, I agree. I might, I might uh, dabble in DFS again just because I love Tyler Johnson. And he did run a pass route on 79% of the dropbacks last week. So he was out there. Um, but yeah, n- not really a season-long option. I am playing Leonard Fournette despite the negative rushing matchup. I mean, obviously, yeah. it's not a hot take, but maybe he's the kind of guy that you wonder if the rushing matchup means you play somebody else close over him. But he's maintained a nice receiving role, so I'm not worried about them facing the Saints, especially with the overall, you know, this top-notch offense overall. It's going to have scoring opportunities. Yeah, yeah I mean, I, Fournette's an every-week starter at this point. I, I downgrade him a bit in this matchup, but, you know, he, he's still inside our top 15 for the week. On the Saints side, it's a pa- pass funnel matchup, so I think that puts Marquez Callaway in play, but he's still just a fingers-crossed wide receiver three. It's a bad offense. That Seattle-New Orleans game was just gross on Monday. Yeah, this is like uh, Chicago-Tampa all over again. We're like, I kind of want to like the, the Saints passing game because the volume should be up. The Saints passing game is better than Chicago's, much better, I'd say. Jameis Winston actually is not playing too poorly. You know, He, he just hasn't had passing volume. That should change. I, I would still not trust Jameis. You know, he'd be below... Tannehill and Lawrence and Carson Wentz as spot start options this week. But um, yeah, I, I do think Marcus Callaway, 18% target share on the season, uh, 23% over the last two games. So if he's in that range and Winston throws it, you know, 35, 40 times this week, then, you know, Callaway could be a decent option. What about Jameis Winston versus Sam Darnold this week? I think I'd start Winston. He has uh, he's averaging 7.4 yards per attempt. He has 13 touchdowns versus three interceptions. You know, he, they just haven't had the volume. I think that that should change this week. Well, I don't know if it's just that they haven't had the volume, but certainly <laughs> the way Sam Darnold's playing lately, I can't I can't argue too much against that. 
you know, they actually, the Saints remembered last week too that they should make Alvin Kamara the focal point of their passing game, which you know was was a, a good idea and it, it should help Winston. Yeah, I would go ahead and start Alvin Kamara this week. <laughs> yep. Washington at Denver, the Broncos by three over under forty four. Taylor Heineke, <coughs> excuse me, I get choked up talking about Taylor Heineke. <laughs> He's come back mostly to earth over the past three games, but he did run for 95 yards against the Packers last week. Not a real fantasy option, maybe down in Jameis Winston, Sam Darnold territory, but Denver is, you know, not a tough matchup at this point. They have not played well on defense over the yeah. past several weeks. This game has some sneaky shootout potential just because both defenses are, are so bad. I mean, we know Washington's been bad all season. Denver, as you said, has been bad for the past four weeks now. Denver gets Jerry Judy back. And he can can get himself in a shootout every once in a while. So that, there, there's some there's some appeal to this game. There's some appeal. It would be in nothing outside of DFS unless I'm looking real deep down. Terry McLaurin, Ricky Seals-Jones certainly remains yeah. uh, strong starting options. Antonio Gibson, we're going to have to be monitoring that shin throughout. The playing time last week, though, looked closer to his week six dip than it did the previous game. So there was not a rebound on that front. But also probably not a great sign for him that they were working out insurance running backs this week. Yeah, I will say Gibson, uh, like TJ Hawkinson, did put in a limited practice on Wednesday. That was Gibson's first work on a Wednesday since week four. So maybe he's getting a bit better. Production hasn't been better. His route rates have declined every week. He was down to a season low 21% uh, last week. Jaden McKissick's route rates have been climbing. He was at 75% last week. So Gibson, to me, is, is a borderline RB2 until we see – his performance and his usage improved from where it's been the last few weeks now. Yeah, I agree with that. And it certainly raises JD McKissick's target ceiling. He's fifth among all running backs and targets on the year. He's also averaging just 4.1 carries per game. So, you know, obviously yeah. it's a, a flimsy case that he's standing on, but there's the target upside for him. On the Denver side, I'm going to be starting Teddy Bridgewater this week in that league where I could not get Joe Burrow in trade. I'm going to be starting Teddy Bridgewater over Sam Darnold. I don't remember whether Trevor Lawrence was available on the waiver mm -hmm. wire. So maybe I'll, I'll go back and look and check to see exactly what's available. But you know, in that range, I think Teddy Bridgewater looks fairly safe against the league's second most QB friendly offense. And I mean, Sam Darnold for what it's worth is playing the only defense that is friendlier to quarterback scoring so far. So that's how I feel about Sam Darnold versus Teddy Bridgewater. Yeah, Br yeah, Bridgewater, he's been a floor play this season. He has no weekly finish higher than quarterback 10, but he's been top 17 in five of his six healthy games. And he gets Jerry Judy back this week, which is huge. Um, you know, now he has Judy, Sutton, Noah Fant. Uh, matchup's good. So I, th I think he'll be fine with Teddy Bridgewater. Jerry Judy is returning this week. As you mentioned, it's really tough to know what to expect. because We've only seen him for part of one game what a glorious part of one game it was, but yeah. uh, he sits bottom of wide receiver three territory in our rankings. So, you know, you don't want to overcommit right away. I really think it's more of a personal call, whether you play him than a true value assessment, because the upside of the matchup is obvious, but I mean, we're all guessing on exactly how much he plays and how many targets go his way. Yeah. I, I told myself since he got hurt that I was going to, you know, try not to use him in his, his first game back and then go from there. Cause We've seen so many times these guys come back from high ankle sprains and they're they're just not the same. That definitely could be the case with Judy. Um, you know, he has been out seven weeks now, so hopefully that was enough time to get him close to 100%. Like you said, he was good. He was really good in week one before he got hurt. The matchup's excellent. So, yeah, he's definitely usable if you don't have, like, another wide receiver three you're excited about. And I think I'll probably end up using him in a DFS tournament or two. Here's an interesting starts it question from Kyle's Money on YouTube. We got um, Jerry Judy, T. Higgins, Cordero Patterson, for one starting spot in PPR, Jared, who you got between those three? I, I would use Higgins over Judy. I'm trying to even see, you know, where Patterson compares. He's, he said it's PPR. Yeah. Well, I'm assuming it's not there, but I think yeah. it's PPR. I mean, we have Patterson projected for like two more PPR points than T Higgins. So that, that's, that's where I'd go. Yeah. That's what I was thinking is Patterson would be my guy. I mean, you know, maybe his role shifts, but it's only shifted up over the past couple of weeks. Yeah. And I don't think there's any reason for Atlanta to significantly downplay or downgrade his playing time or his opportunities. So I'd be rolling Cordero Patterson at this point as well. Cool. Back to the Denver side, Washington, as we mentioned, a high end matchup for wide receiver scoring slightly negative for tight ends. That doesn't really worry me for Noah Fant's outlook, but Albert Okwake Boonham is also back practicing this week. So we're going to have to see what effect that has. We'll see whether Albert O is playing this week, but then we'll also see what effect that has on Noah Fant's uh, target share. Yeah, I, I do think it's going to be a slight ding. Uh, you know, we, we 
we've seen fans route rates climb without Albert O. We also, you know, so in three games with Albert O, fan average 7.7 expected points per game. That's climbed to 9.7 without him. So it, it's a slight ding. Um, you know, fan, fans still going to be a top 10 tight end in our rankings every single week. It is also a neutral matchup for RB scoring. They've been better in run defense than pass, but neutral for fantasy scoring so far. I think that Melvin Gordon, Javante Williams, both okay, neither exciting because they continue to split work evenly. It looks like if you look at the target counts last week, it looked like Javante Williams moved ahead, but playing time still found them even in those passing situations. Yeah, Melvin Gordon actually ran like one or two more routes than Javante last week. So it's been status quo. It's still like a dead even 50-50 split. Um, so they're, they're both like RB3s. Dallas at Minnesota for the penultimate game on Sunday night here. The Cowboys by two and a half. That's up one and a half from where it opened over under of 55. It's the highest over under the week by two and a half points. My concern here is Dak Prescott's calf. He was limited in practice Wednesday. So, you know, it's good that he practiced at all. It's also coming off a bye though. And he tried to say after hurting it at the end of the Patriots game, that it wouldn't be a big deal. And if they had a game, he would play. So we're gonna have to watch it this week. I would say I'm not worried to the point where I'm like, should I go get Sam Darnold or Taylor Heineke to (laughs) fill in here? But I'm at least concerned to the point where I very well might start Matt Ryan over even an active Dak Prescott in my FFPC main event lineup. I have Dak Prescott and Trevor Lawrence in my main event. I don't know. we, We have two more days a practice for the Cowboys. I'm sure we'll get updates on Dak between Friday and Sunday. So we'll see. I mean, it'd be, it'd be tough for me to sit him. Um, you know, this game, it has what the 55 point over under now Cowboys with a 29 point implied total. Um, I guess we'll see, but I, I would lean towards using Dak at this point. We'll, we'll see what we hear. I would definitely be starting Dak over Trevor Lawrence. I think Matt Ryan's a bit more uh, of a floor bet. It's also yeah. worth noting that Minnesota's sixth in overall defensive DVOA, sixth against the pass, 24th against the run. So we get a Dallas offense that has already been leaning run since that crazy pass heavy week one. I just, I, I could see them, if it's possible for them to do so, I could see them keeping Dak Prescott under 30 pass attempts in this game leaning the run even a little bit harder as long as they don't fall behind Minnesota and just kind of limiting that upside. Why you got to do this to me? I'm going to be waffling on Dak the rest of the week. Hey, I started that with, I would definitely play Dak over Trevor Lawrence. So I don't think you have a decision on that team. At least we'll see about other situations. Dak's awesome. The weapons are awesome. Even if the volume's down, I think it'll be okay. Uh, Everyone else I think is kind of obvious on the Dallas side. Zeke's a must. CeeDee Lamb, Amari Cooper are likely starting for most fantasy teams and Dalton Schultz comfortably inside the top 12. I have to decide between Dalton Schultz and Tyler Higby on the same team after, you know, what we talked about with Tyler Higby's touchdown note earlier. That's a tough one. Our projections have Schultz higher. Um, Michael Gallup is not expected back this week. That's according to NFL Network's Jane Slater. He Gallup's back at practice this week, but um, it sounds like week nine is what they're targeting for his return. So that that's good news for Schultz. I'll be curious to see what happens to Schultz volume when Gallup's back. Dalvin Cook probably enjoyed the buy. He's off the injury report completely now after racking up 29 carries in week six when he, you know, was still on the injury report, but finished with full practices, obviously back as close to full strength as he could be at this point. And his return, I think, makes things fairly obvious on the Minnesota side. Justin Jefferson, Adam Thielen are starting. The high over under, I think, gives Kirk Cousins upside. He's inside our top 12 this week. And then maybe the only other name, that people might wonder about or look at is Tyler Conklin. And he is not close to our top 12. Yeah. I like cousins a lot. I mean, I, I like him over all these other spots start options. We've talked about Tannehill Wentz. Um, I like cousins over Matt Ryan. I'm not even sure if we have cousins ranked higher, but I'd go cousins there. Edge, he's, he's finished top 14 in uh, what is that? Four of six games. You know, the only duds were in those Browns and lions games where he just really didn't need to do much. And you know, Dallas's offense should force cousins to, you know, have to throw it a decent amount in this game. So I, I like cousins. Um, yeah. Con- Conklin's usage has really not been strong. He had, he said that he had, he had, he had one big game. Other than that, he's been disappointing. Um, Dallas though is 32nd in football outsiders, tight end coverage ranking. So that's kind of the only thing that makes Conklin semi intriguing. Um, I might, I might give him a shot over someone like Cole Komet though, just for the upside. I'd probably play Cole Komet. I mean, there's, there is some upside to get up into that top 12 range. Certainly not a safe target bet. He also has not right. seen a single red zone target this year, according to pro football reference, which surprised me. And I'm feeling hogs them all. <laughs> That's right. I guess. Why would you throw to Tyler Conklin in the red zone? when you have Adam Thielen and Justin Jefferson. Exactly. 
New York Giants at Kansas City Chiefs on Monday night. The Chiefs by 10 in this one, over under 52 and a half. Chiefs are tied for the second highest implied team total. You know, what else is new? Usually they'll be number one, but obviously the offense is broken right now. So you have to take a half point away and tie them for number two. On the Giants side, lots of injuries that we have to watch. And of course, because it's midday Thursday and they kick off Monday night, we have not gotten an official injury report yet. Kadarius Toney. Sterling Shepard will watch them to see if they are trending toward playing. Maybe we even get Saquon Barkley and or Kenny Galladay back this week. All those injured injured guys were working off to the side with a trainer on Wednesday. It wasn't an official practice for the Giants because they play on Monday. So we'll get their first report later today. Yeah, and we'll, and we'll update the rankings. You'll just have to check them. It obviously matters for Daniel Jones. Who I do. I think Jones is in play regardless. Um, just because of the matchup, because of his rushing, because you know he's honestly just he's been pretty productive in fantasy this season. Um, but you know, he, he would benefit if he can get, you know, at least one or two of those guys back. So he's not throwing to Dante Pettis and, and John Ross. Yeah. I certainly boost my expectation for Daniel Jones a bit this week, expecting that he gets somebody back from that group. And that would certainly help his outlook. You know, the upside is definitely there in the matchup and we'll see exactly who's back on the field as we get to the day. It's, it's always kind of, I don't know, risky to read too much into the early practice reports because I saw the, the report where it was like, Kadarius, Tony, Sterling Shepard, Saquon Barkley, Kenny Galladay, all on the practice field with a trainer off to the side. Yeah. It's like, that's not on the practice field. The guys can do that for weeks before they come back. Well, let us know when you have a real report. Yeah, I, I'm not expecting Saquon back this week. It seems like week nine was kind of the target all along. So I do think Devontae Booker is still in play. He, he's been getting nice usage over the past couple of weeks. And again, the matchup here is good. On the Chiefs side. I mean, seriously, just stop about the Chiefs needing to fix their offense. Are they coming off a terrible game? Yes. They are now fifth, though, in overall offensive DVOA after ranking second heading into the Tennessee game. So do they need to turn the ball over less? Yeah. (laughs) Do I care at all for fantasy purposes whether they actually start turning the ball over less? Not even a little bit. I'm starting everyone in consideration here. I think the low man among that group is McCall Hardman, who is an upside wide receiver four. Yep, agree with Hardman there. Daryl Williams, you're you're still starting him. He obviously dudded last week. To me, it was an encouraging it was encouraging usage for him in that negative game script. Still played 64 percent of the snaps. It was still Williams over Jarek McKinnon, even with the Chiefs trailing. I don't think the Chiefs are going to be trailing on Monday night. I think I think you know Williams is you know again like a borderline RB one like he was back in week six. Yeah, I wouldn't have been shocked if the Chiefs lost like, you know, 36 to 31 to the Titans. I think it was a shocking result the way that it happened. And the the way that it happened to me indicates it's just the kind of game that we just take out and throw away and pretend it didn't happen. And then, you know, if something similar happens over the next two weeks, then maybe we start to worry. But for now, yeah, absolutely not worried about anything from that game. Yeah. Yeah, the, you know, the offense had been fine through the first six weeks. It's going to be fine. Um, like you said, the turnovers are the one thing. The other thing I've just noticed watching the games, and I looked up the numbers and it, um, you know, it confirms it, is the Chiefs' big pass plays are down. That could be because Tyreek Hill is still battling the quad injury. That's another, I want to see if he's on the injury report this week, if he's still limited. He hasn't quite been Tyreek Hill the past couple weeks. Um, you know, once, and he's still been fine for fantasy. But once he gets healthy, I think that'll be big for the offense. Right. If he's not Tyree kill, he's still what? Like, I don't know. At worst, he's T Higgins or something like that. Sure. Yeah. Sounds good. We'll take whatever version of Tyree kill we get, as long as it's on the field for more than half the snaps. That's going to do it for this week. Eight preview edition of the podcast. Head over to DraftSharks.com Now you can see our full week eight rankings to help you finalize those lineup decisions. Check out the, my team's page for customized lineup recommendations that go along with your league settings. You can also find us anytime in the free Draft Sharks Discord. You can find the link to join that in the description for this podcast, wherever you are consuming it. For Jared Smoll and the rest of the Draft Sharks crew, I'm Matt Schaaf saying thanks so much for swimming with us.